one of the first things I do when I walk uh, into one of our kitchens is I go straight to the trash bins and I'll pick up a can of olive oil and, you know, and I'll uh, shake it and I'll say, do you know what that sounds like in there? <laughs> it sounds like money. That's money. That's our, that's olive oil. Friction is a huge psychological burden. Without friction, we would not have fire and we would not have sparks. I got to get a knife. <laughs> I gotta hide it. They end up spending a lot of time ruminating. Hi, I'm Bob Sutton. I'm an organizational psychologist and Stanford professor. And this is the Friction Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by husband and wife restaurateurs, Craig and Annie Stoll. Craig and Annie own the San Francisco-based Italian restaurant group called Delfina. Running a restaurant is not unlike running a theater production. There's a hungry audience to satisfy, actors to direct, and it can fly off the rails in a matter of minutes. We invited Craig and Annie to the podcast because of their experience growing from one to seven restaurants in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay, so so you said something, Craig, right before, which I just thought was a wonderful jumping off place for the Friction um, podcast, which is when you run a restaurant, it's like putting on a Broadway play every night. So now you've got seven restaurants. You're opening your seventh. Yep. So you got seven different little Broadway plays running. So I hate to start with the negative, but let's start with the negative <laughs> since this is the Friction podcast. So 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 let's sort of zoom down and. Uh, when things start going off the rails in the Broadway play, what happens and what does that look like? There are so many moving parts. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's I mean, off I just, the rails every, every minute, pretty much. Every, every day. There, it, it's not, will something go wrong today? It's what? what will go wrong today. Okay, so so let me ask, this is great. So, so you you two walk in and you get a little sick feeling, like... Uh, some, what's some of the symptoms? Well, we're pretty used to it by now, but it's, it's, it's not even when we walk in. It's when we wake up at 6 in the morning and look at our emails. That's where, that's oh, when, so it, you starts. Know before you, oh, yeah. that's when it starts. Oh, yeah. Sometimes if it's too quiet, it's a little weird. People aren't around, you know, because it's a, it's a, they're bustling atmospheres. If, if you walk in and it's too quiet, people are missing. You know, people haven't uh-huh. shown up, so that's, that's always a, a bad sign. Last night, I... Looked at the reservation books right before opening, probably half an hour before opening, and I noticed that we scheduled a six top when we're not supposed to. Uh-oh. Financially, it's it, we open at five. They scheduled a six top at, at 6.30, mm-hmm. which means that table most likely has to sit open for an hour and a half. Uh-huh. So I called the restaurant just, just to find out who wasn't trained properly, and no one answered the phone. And then I called. We have an inside line. Uh-huh. No one answered the inside line. Everyone's there. They're, we're about to open. So then I called the restaurant again, and one of our sous chefs answered. Uh-huh. And I said, what's going on? I could hear the line, the phone lines ringing in the background, mm-hmm. customers calling. And he said, oh, we're, we're all in lineup meeting. That's get, you meeting. need to get downstairs uh-huh. and get a manager to answer the phones. So, so A, there's a reservation problem. Call to resolve the reservation problem. And, and no there's a problem the with nobody answering the phones. Um, which means there's a supervision, uh, there's training, right. there's supervision, there's there's mm-hmm. possibly even the reservation system we're using there could be issues with. 
but there's that's just, just one typical. But, but but I like that. Small, that's a typical little episode that right. that you got to stop. You got to think, but 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 in that episode, there's all these symptoms that you just described, which is, are the people well trained enough? Are they aware enough? Because kind of, you just described almost a whole movie to me already. That are, you see, are, are the managers managing? You know, are they supervising? It's. It doesn't end there. So then we take that, mm-hmm. and this is, like you said, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of things we need to look at. We need right. to do retraining on the reservation system. We need to figure out why is the reservationist taking her break at the time uh. where the managers need to be in this meeting? And why aren't the managers paying attention? And who was there? And it's just so many moving parts that if one of them is is out of sync or, or you know, out of rhythm, it's... It, messes everything up. I mean, and the dishwashers, right? If, uh-huh. if the dishwasher is not doing their job and washing things and then bringing them out to the dining room, putting them where they're needed, then the, the servers don't have any spoons to go and set the table with. And it's like, it, it slows them down and they're not there for the guest who didn't like their soup. So the guest is upset because they're flagging down the waiter and the waiter's off trying to get a spoon, this simple spoon that he needs because the dishwasher wasn't trained or is too slow or didn't show up that night or whatever. So there's this domino effect of... of I, I love the vignette of the dish because you can just see it happening all the way through that everybody's got to wait a little longer and then everything just sort of falls apart. It compounds, yeah. So it's like the like the play. Everybody has mm-hmm. to, you know, do, their, do part. their part. You need your cues. And, and I like for for you, Annie, describing the things you look at in the morning because to me that's... The, it's part of the rhythm. What mm-hmm. are the reservations? Yeah. What's... What emails have come through? Because because that way you've got sort of this rhythm to keep mm-hmm. track of it. I have a, a very rigid routine. So th- to, to me, this is quite fascinating because one thing we keep finding in places that as an outsider, it looks like there's no rhythm. That that's one of the main things that saves everybody is because they kind of know when to do what. It helps in life enormously. Yeah, the, the the whole day is timed out. It is interesting because also in that structure is that you not only create predictability, you actually show respect for everybody's time because they kind of know what to expect and when to do stuff. They're not just waiting around. Annie, Annie's a stickler for meetings starting on time. Good for you. And keep them to an hour and a half. An hour. An hour. <laughs> my <laughs> my meetings there, are the ones. If he's uh, there, it's an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I tend to go off. Uh, yeah. So there's always that. I always have to ring them, wear them back. Come on, it's time to come back in. We're talking about something else right now. That's a healthy friction. What do you look for in the kind of people you like? How do you train them? What's the sign they're not working? We look for people who are passionate about the business because if they're not, there's no way in hell they're going to continue to do it. Okay. It's not worth it. It's way too many hours, way too much stress, and not enough money. And I'm sure every industry says the exact same thing. But Okay, so you've got the passion. What are the warning signs you look for in an interview or when you do uh, – background checks that despite the passion that you're worried? I have a friend who uh, hires teachers for a private school Uh and she was interviewing a woman who was babysitting my daughter Uh and so she asked for a reference Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize it was a big deal till later but I said oh you know she's always on time and she never smells like alcohol (laughs) and Megan thought that was hilarious but we're talking about the restaurant business here so don't do drugs, don't drink, make it on time, don't talk negative about your past experiences, have some excitement and passion. But if, I, if I'm 
interviewing someone that can barely look at me, that's talking negative about another, uh, uh, their other experience. They smell like alcohol. They're late. They're dressed shabbily. I mean, we get it. We get it all, all the time. It, it's a different industry, you know. It's, it's a it's different the, industry. The, the uh, expectations are different, I guess. You know, the only thing that I really get compliments on for the mm. last mm. 20 years is that I know how to hire. Ever since we opened, uh-huh. I can tell right away when I meet somebody whether they have anger issues, Ooh. whether they actually... We should make you an official screener for the no asshole role. Yes, I'd love that. <laughs> I, I can tell within the first five minutes. Really? Wow. I can tell within the first five minutes, yeah. And in your business, there's a lot of things to, to set off anger because of you're in a rush and you're under pressure. and Yeah, and you can't give good hospitality if you're an angry person. And with that pressure, mm-hmm. that anger will come out, and it might it come out in a passive-aggressive way, or you, you huh. can just sort of tell as a guest if someone's not warm, friendly, loving person. My understanding from some of our mutual friends and knowing this kind of, like not everybody works out. So what's the sign that somebody isn't working out? If they're sending emails at four in the morning, that's a huge red flag. <laughs> like we just saw this morning when I woke Which up. Means, Why I, is this gonna... person at four in the morning sending emails or something? Okay. There's something wrong. Um, there's certain terminology that people sometimes use. People will say, I'm confused. And when they say that, they generally mean, I'm pissed off. <laughs> um, Management-wise, just not following directions, not following uh, the SOPs, consistently getting things wrong. It's it's usually a drug or alcohol problem. That's what so that's we the, find. The, those are the, the, the temptations In of business, the industry, right? Yeah. 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 We'll see that they lose confidence of the people they're in charge of. Um, oh, that's we'll, interesting. We'll, we'll sense that the people that they're leading don't have the confidence in them. And sometimes they'll come to us for things instead of going to them. As soon as we see that start to happen, it's kind of it's definitely a sign. Or they'll say, this, the, the service staff will say, I don't feel safe. Oh, yeah, there's Ooh. that. Yeah. Meaning during service, they don't feel supported. They don't feel uh. like they ha- that their leader has their back. And so they feel, and they've used the word unsafe that's, quite a lot. So they're not... So, so that's not like physically safety. That means that, that I can't do my job. I, I don't feel supported. Things are... If something's wrong, somebody's not going to step in and help me. It's like a sport. It's like being on a, a soccer player on the uh, field and you don't have your coach with you, so you're not sure w- what you're supposed to do or if something goes uh, wrong that they're going to have your back. So servers will walk in and they'll see who's managing and they'll uh, either have a big sigh of relief or they'll be really nervous depending on who's managing. Response time, too, is a, is a thing we're mm. really big on. Um, mm. we, we demand a lot of our of our staff, mm. right? We, we, they've got to perform at a top level. It's super competitive. We want a great product. And we need to give them the tools to do their job, whether it's training or emotional support or encouragement or whether it's literally blenders and, and smallwares and things that they need to use. And, and if stuff's broken or not there, we expect our managers to fix it and have it working well always. So one thing we haven't talked about very much is the guests. Because you're now, at least my vision of the barrier, you're, you're, you're in much different mini markets, sort of. Mm-hmm. So you've got much different sort of customers. And the fact is that there's some customers who are great and wonderful, and there's some customers who make everybody miserable. If you talk about friction, yeah. So well, let, let, let's start with a good customer. 
We have a lot of good customers. I mean, Delphine has been open for almost 20 years, and we've got people... We have guests who have standing reservations every single Sunday night. They come in and sit on table 11B. (laughs) They come in at 5.30. They leave at 6.30. We rebook that table at 6.30. That's every Saturday night. We have other guests that come in every Sunday night. Mm -hmm. We have guests that come in that been coming in since we opened. We we call them the patio people, which is a whole other story. Uh But just amazing people who love the food and the wine and will call to see what's on the menu or they'll check online and come running in if they're, you know, one of their favorite things is on that night. And I mean, it's, it's yeah, so cliche, but they're like family. Like Those are our good customers. So those are your good customers. Yes. Okay, so now let's, it's part of the business. Mm-hmm. So who's difficult and what do you do about them? We had that one recent episode with the guy who was really disrespectful to our management. He, he He's always a problem and he comes in and he's very demanding. He's a known person that puts everyone on edge when he comes in uh-huh. and he's very rude and very demanding and tells us to turn the music down. And my manager had made reference to him a couple times and they, they deal with him, uh-huh. but he was really out of hand one day and started calling one of my manager's names uh-huh. and telling her she's fat or whatever, and so she kicked him out. And he reached out to me uh-huh. saying, you know, how dare you? And, uh-huh. you know, we, we stick up for our stuff. And it was interesting. He, was, he, he continued to follow up with a series of emails demanding an explanation. And or he dem- would yelp us. And demanding, yeah, it, it's basically threatening to... Write, write a negative go, Yelp you, review. You know, not just Yelp, but he said social media. I'm going to destroy you yeah. on social media. But it was interesting. We just, at a certain point, we just had to... We just did not respond. Uh-huh. We stopped responding we just didn't want to engage any any anymore. I will say lately, and I've been talking to my staff about mm. that, uh, they've been getting, the public seems really angry right now. And uh-huh. one person, and I'm getting these stories a lot, she, she ordered a, a clam pie, clam pizza. Clam pizza. Went to go pick it up, among other things, and we were out. We were out of it. We were out of clams. Mm-hmm. And she lost it, was screaming at my general manager, demanded she go across the street to Molly Stone's and buy clams and make the pizza. Just really awful and rude. And and I've been hearing, I was hearing these stories from different restaurants about sort of being abused a little by the the public. And these are, you know, kids working for us that are getting screamed out by the public and they're in the hospitality business, so they're not allowed to do anything about it. And I just think it's really important and, and Craig and I really support them and you know, they'll email and say, this person did this. They said they're going to write you. And I said, well, when they write me, then I'm going to give them a piece of my mind by the way they treated you. That's that's what's going to happen here. I think we draw the line at that if they're abusive toward our staff. I, I, w- I was at a restaurant recently where a woman sent back her bacon because it wasn't crisp enough two times. I just twice. Oh, no, this happens all the time. Oh, yeah. They need to leave feeling good. Right, right, right. right. We, we need to give them a good experience. And if, they, if it takes to sending the bacon back twice, we'll, we'll, we'll so, take care of it. So you know? um, Jacob Jabber, he's the CEO of uh, Phil's Coffee now. So I, I interviewed him for my last book on assholes. And he talked about their mantra. And they have much shorter interactions with customers than you do, mm-hmm. by the way. So it's kind of a different thing. But he said our base thing is uh, we kill them with kindness. And, and, and he even used the Michelle Obama thing. When they go low, we go high. Does that sound yes, familiar? Yes, absolutely. 100%. In fact, it's a challenge for our managers. They'd like that challenge. Uh-huh. I'll take this one. Who's going to take this one? I'll take this one. So they go and show them as much love as possible yeah, until the moment. Yeah, that's what they need. They're, they're, they're unhappy. 
They also come to a restaurant. Uh, a lot of people come to restaurants for more than the food and service, right? They, they, they come craving something more. It goes on at such a micro level too. I'm, I'm depending on the restaurant, my involvement in the kitchen. Can, yeah. Like at Delfina, we don't have a chef de cuisine, which would be the chef in charge of that restaurant okay. at the moment. So I'm more involved. So I'm on the phone in the morning talking about the size of the cauliflower we're going to use for that night's menu. And yeah, what's this how, with cauliflower? Everywhere I go, there's cauliflower. It's, oh, it's, it wasn't there three years it's ago. The yeah. hottest, it's, it's the trend. I, it's I, the trend. I've had cauliflower like nine, including at your restaurant, like nine different ways in the last two years. Now we've had it in our pizzeria for menu for years. I've got, so. I've got one, one farmer is growing us little fist sized heads. Um, that we're serving a whole head, a whole little head as a uh, as a Ooh, vegetable side dish at Delfina. So in, on any given day, I could be talking to our, our, our chef or the farmer himself about little teeny heads of cauliflower, or the plumber about, <laughs> or mm-hmm. people, you know, investors, or you know, it, it's just, there's a lot that takes place, and it's really all over the map. So you started out with this restaurant with twelve people. Now you're up to the seventh restaurant you're going to open, how does what the two of you do, how has that evolved and changed? We hired a lot more people to help us. Structure. Structure. Yeah, we struggle with that. Mm-hmm. So so what, what is the stuff that you feel like you have to keep doing personally as long as possible? We still personally do the, uh, new hire orientations every six weeks. It's, it's the Annie and Craig show. I don't like doing them, but I think they are the most important thing. Mm-hmm. We, it's very important that our culture and values, that everybody knows and understands okay. them. So we yep. have our mission statement and our core values that we live by that everyone needs to live by. So those orientations, we go through the mission statement and the core mm-hmm. values and, and how we started and who we are. So that can never change. My role has changed a lot. We both decided recently that it's important that I'm more involved with the HR department as we grow. So uh, we have an HR director, but it's so important that the owner is really involved with what's going on in HR because that's something that cannot cannot break in any way. Right. So I'm spending, I'd say, 50% of my time with my HR director building that up and making sure that well, that's... Well, given how the two of you have described the business, if you don't have the right people in the right place and you're not keeping track of what's going on, then nothing else can happen. Right. We recently lost our general manager and assistant general manager at Delfina, and I went in to step in, and it was actually a big mistake. Hmm. It, it, it was not... I can't go step in on that level anymore. Whereas I used to, when we opened Delfina, I would often host uh-huh. or man- I always managed. But when once we got management and once we started growing, I would fill in as a manager at various restaurants. And then I stopped doing that. And now, years later, for me to fill in in that level, just first of all, I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> right. And I got involved in such, you know, the, the level of what the server shifts want and what right. they need. So once I left, they were still coming to me. And my new general manager was like, what word did he, he use? Undermine. He said, you undermined me by answering this person when I'm the manager now. But so, so this is really interesting. What are the details 
that you still really, because you, you both have talked about how important the little thing, what, what are the details that you still think you have to focus on? Because there, there, there are some little details and what do you think you can't let go? I get the emails directed to me from every restaurant. I see the emails that come through from every single restaurant. And I also see everything that's uploaded to Box in our cloud to keep my finger on the pulse. And I also, first thing in the morning at six o'clock in the morning with my coffee, I go through the reservation books and I'll never stop doing okay, that. Well, that's, that's the flow of money and people. Mm -hmm. What about food? We were talking earlier about little baby cauliflower. Now, that sounded actually pretty cool. You seem to know a lot about little baby cauliflower. Hey, that, that, that actually excites me. I'm, yeah, I like that much better than HR. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't call it micromanaging. I call it managing. Right. Um, because there's so many, you know, details. So it, it's hard. I, I Sometimes I feel like if I let go of something, you know, I, I come come back to it later and it's and it's spiraled out of control or it's well, degenerate. So, so I'll, I'll give you, I'll tell you a, a little apocryphal story. I don't know if it's true, but I heard it uh, from multiple sources. So apparently Steve Jobs had an obsession with the bags at the Apple store in the early days, which it doesn't seem like Steve Jobs would be at the level where he'd really care about the, but, but the reason he thought the bags were so important was if you have a cheap bag, it feels like you bought something cheap when you have an expensive bag. It's, it's, it's like the last thing you touch. So, so that's the kind of deep, is there stuff like that, that? Oh yeah. Every restaurant I walk into, I immediately adjust the lights and music. Um, I, cleanliness. I mean, I, I, I look for smudges and mirrors. I look for recycling, recycling, composting and trash, <laughs> you know? So one of the first things I do when I walk uh, into one of our kitchens is I go straight to the composting bin and the trash bins and the recycling and I'll pick up a can of olive oil and, you know, and uh, I'll shake it and, and I'll say, do you know what that sounds like in there? <laughs> sounds like money. That's money. That's our, that's olive oil. Or I'll, I'll, you know, I'll look and say, you know, celery that's cut, you know, when there's three inches of it left right. or four inches of it left, or if they're trimming the frise too closely or so there's a lot of, there's, I, I look for waste, uh -huh. um, but I also look for the quality of product is like the, the absolute first thing. And I'm up in everybody's stuff. And when I walk into any of our locations, so, I'll go. So, so in that situation, by the little things, you're setting the tone for how they should behave when they're not, you're not there. Yes. Ideally, <laughs> tasting and eating the food, I'll, I'll schedule how and what I eat throughout the day to coincide with what restaurant I plan to be at and when so that I'm actually hungry enough to taste a few things. If I'm just there for a meeting, if I'm just there to check in, whatever, but I'll always at least get a few things to eat. Annie and Craig, it's been great to talk with you. I, I've had a great time, and I can hardly wait to go eat at one of your restaurants. I think it's time to go back to La Conda, especially. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been so much fun. Thanks for having us. The big thing I took from Craig and Annie was the importance of maintaining rhythm. Creating predictability for yourself and your team shows respect for everyone's time and can help you spot when something or someone is falling out of sync. Please spread the word about the Friction Podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes and share your favorite episodes with your colleagues, your family, and even your therapists. On the next episode, we will be joined by Huggy Rao. Huggy is a professor at the Stanford Graduate School of Business and my partner in crime on the Friction Project. 
Together, we're going to share some of the lessons we've learned about organizational friction so far. And now for the final tangent. We opened Delfina with, uh, we got an SBA loan for part of it, and we maxed out a stack of credit cards for the rest. And so you did the classic of maxing out all your credit cards mm-hmm. and just hoping you, you could make it for the first few months? It's, it's uh, the definition of bootstrapping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't really have much to lose. Yeah. We kind of started with nothing. And, and then the, the space, the rent was cheaper than our apartments, uh, so we figured we could move in. But um, I was in the kitchen every day cooking and working and Annie was running the front of the house. There were nights we slept on the banquettes. We were so tired. So anyway, it, it was popular right out of the gate and uh, we got great reviews and the house was packed and within a year we were able to expand. We got to pay back his grandma, his ex-wife. <laughs> but yeah, so um, but, so we expanded after you know, about a year and a half in, we expanded. We doubled the size and then in doing so, we got things like um, heat. Uh, that, <laughs> That's uh, really basic. <laughs> um, storage. You know, storage. storage. Uh, we used to store the wine under the banquettes, and people would uh. open the cases and steal bottles from from uh. as you know while they were having dinner. We can't do this without you. Tell us what's driving you crazy, and what are you doing to make life better in your organization for yourself and for the people that you work with. Please send us your friction stories, tips, and tricks. We'd love to hear from you via Twitter at eCorner or please send us an email at stvp-ecorner at stanford.edu. The Friction Podcast is a Stanford eCorner original series brought to you by Stanford Technology Ventures Program and Designing Organizational Change. Friction is produced by Rachel Jilkowski and Ali Rico. Jake Smith and Stife Studios are our editor and audio engineers. Susie Allen and Victoria Johnson are our writing and marketing team. Danielle Stussy is our designer and digital products manager. And I'm Bob Sutton. Thanks for joining us. This is the Friction Podcast. Friction Podcast.